OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers, episode 10. I'm your host, Ben Pfaff. This episode is an interview with Ethan Jackson, a PhD student at Berkeley. I worked with Ethan for years at Nasera and then at VMware. I was really sad to see him leave VMware for Berkeley, but we've managed to keep in contact, and this interview is about the work that he did spanning the transition from VMware to Berkeley, plus a little bit about what he's working on now. Interviews aren't easy for me, but I'm really comfortable talking to Ethan. I aim for a conversational style in my interviews, but I think that this one is the most successful so far along those lines. If you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, then I think you'll be able to hear how comfortable I am speaking with Ethan compared to a lot of my other interviewees, since we know each other so well. One of the things that impresses me about Ethan is how he's able to delegate to other people effectively. At VMware, he had interns, and now at Berkeley, it sounds like he has a small army of undergrads. If you don't know Ethan yourself, then my advice is to keep an eye on him. He's smart and ambitious, and I think we'll be hearing more about him in the coming years. On to the interview. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Ethan Jackson, who has a unique relationship with Open vSwitch uh, over the years. Uh, Ethan, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got involved in Open vSwitch and, and where it's taken you? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I'm Ethan. I'm a committer on the Open vSwitch project. Um, I started working uh, on Open vSwitch like five or six years ago, I suppose. I was probably the first junior engineer hire at Nasira. <laughs> One of the first one or two. You didn't stay junior for very long. Well, yeah, it's all relative. And I just sort of, uh, you know, dug into the project. Um, I'd done a million random things in my time on the project, mostly in the user space stack. Uh, I think I did a lot of the early work on, uh, not congestion control, but uh, bandwidth policing. Oh, uh, TC- quality of service. Yeah, qual- quality of service, thank you. A- added the f- infamous bundle action. Uh, more recently... Uh, I did. Uh, I wrote the uh, multi-threading of the user space code. Uh, I wrote megaflows for the user space code, a uh, large chunk of that. And uh, I did some work on DBDK uh, before finally uh, leaving VMware to start my PhD at Berkeley. So it's a long history <laughs> with the project. It's a pretty yeah. exciting uh, uh, move to, to Berkeley. Yeah, it's quite a quite a different uh, culture, <laughs> but um, it's fun. I, I miss coding as much as I, I used to, uh, but I like reading with reading papers and working with brilliant undergrads and working with brilliant graduate students, and it's it's a great it's a great place. Yeah. One of your talents seems to be in being able to delegate to people really well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've honed this talent at Berkeley, so I'm working on a new project, which we won't talk about in detail today, called Quilt, um, which is an open source project. And I've got currently four undergrads working on it uh, with me, um, plus another two or three starting in the, in the fall. Uh, which is a little bit unusual <laughs> for a graduate student. I like working with smart, excited young people because you can help them sort of improve more quickly. Uh, and uh, they tend to be smarter than you anyway, so they get stuff done quickly, which is nice. But yeah, that's that's something that, that I've always put a lot of focus on, uh, trying to trying to delegate and, and help junior people get stronger. Yeah. So the, the other thing that, I, uh, that <laughs> always comes to mind uh, from when you were working on Open vSwitch at VMware is uh, your, your work on BFD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did do the original BFD implementation. Um, For Open vSwitch. I did. I did. Yeah, sorry, not 
not in the world, but for open research. Before BFD, we were using this protocol called CFM. Do you remember that? Right. Connectivity Fault Management. Right. Which um, maybe we should explain what BFD and CFM do. Yeah. So the the fundamental problem. Um, so we we were building this overlay network between hypervisors. Uh, so you've got tunnels running between hypervisors, and you want to know uh, between any two nodes whether or not they can communicate. Because um, if they can't communicate, you want to like notify the user, sorry, notify an admin, uh, and there might be other paths you can take. So if, if the nodes can't communicate, you might want to fail over. So originally we were using this protocol called connectivity fault management, which I think was designed for telcos originally. And, and things designed for telcos uh, apparently are just wacky. I mean, it's just really complicated. <laughs> Uh, terrible protocol on a lot of levels. So I was in charge of this thing uh, and I got very frustrated. If I remember right, we had to take it and enhance it in several ways. To yeah. Do, do oh, yeah. Management. Yeah. So we were using connectivity fault management. And despite the fact that the spec is multi thousands of pages and incredibly complicated, we, it still didn't suit our needs particularly well. So we added a bunch of hacks to it. On the side, without really permission, I just found this protocol called BFD, which I liked a lot more, um, and started doing an implementation of it for uh, Open vSwitch. That seemed to work out a lot better. It's a much better design protocol, and it's a lot more flexible. So we added some uh, fancy stuff uh, to the protocol to make it sort of scale better and all this sort of stuff. And then I think I ended up delegating that to Alex Short, or not Alex Short, Alex Wang. So yeah, that, that, that was one of the things I wrote, which I really enjoyed. Well, I, I remember what you found out was that uh, whenever anything goes wrong in a network, the first thing that finds it is BFD. And so every problem in a network was blamed on BFD. Yes, this is, this, is, this, is, this is the case. Yeah. So, so I spent having written, CF, or having written the CFM implementation and the BFD implementation, there was a good two to three years where every bug in the company came directly to me. And I got very good at debugging. <laughs> Um, and pointing out that other people's code was broken. Uh, OpenVSwitch which is remarkably stable considering um, how hard the problem is. Um, uh, so almost always it was someone else's fault though we do do write bugs occasionally. <laughs> but that was a good experience and that's really how I progressed as an engineer. Being forced to debug things makes you a stronger systems person. And I got a lot stronger from doing that over a couple of years, definitely. I think that Alex had kind of the same experience yeah. uh, that, that you did. Yeah. Alex also left VMware uh, some time ago, but before he did, as he did, he gave these special custom t-shirts to everyone <laughs> on the team that referred to uh, mostly what a, what a pain BFD is and that you should never blame your problems yes, on these, BFD. Yes, these bright green t-shirts with, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, I, I, I dutifully delegated the pain of, <laughs> of dealing with this as soon as I found someone I thought was, was technically capable of handling it. And Alex did a great job with it, but apparently didn't like it that much and ended up leaving. <laughs> so so w one of the things that you've done that, that sort of spanned from VMware into Berkeley is this project you've been working on. You published a paper on called SoftFlow. Yeah. Do, do you want to say something to start with what SoftFlow is? Yeah. So... Softflow is an attempt to solve um, a rather old problem in, in software switching, uh, which is how do you build middle boxes in, in, a, in a software switch? Um, and the way I look at it 
in terms of software switching, there's sort of a continuum. There's, well, not a continuum. There's two extremes for how software switches tend to be built. One is the, the Click model. So Click was an important research paper, uh, which says you should build a software switch as, as a graph of computing elements. So you have a bunch of nodes in this graph and packets enter the graph and they bounce around to different computing elements that have particular transformations. They might be in NATs or firewalls or various things, and then they're afforded. And, the, uh, and then the other end of the spectrum is the open vSwitch model, which says that forwarding is a series of packet classifications. Um, and this has a lot of advantages, which we can get into, uh, particularly around performance, but it's really, really bad for expressing um, middle boxes, which uh, rely on um, uh, re remembering state between packets, which is not something that OpenFlow expresses well. And it relies on often uh, reading packet uh, payloads, which is not something OpenFlow Express as well. So SoftFlow is, is an attempt to bring that sort of click-like functionality of, of uh, forwarding elements that can express middle boxes cleanly into an open vSwitch uh, world where we can express things like firewalls and NATs and all that sort of stuff and use OpenFlow where it's appropriate, but where it, where we really can't express the behavior we want with OpenFlow, then we have this ability to, to plug in these forwarding modules that can do um, arbitrary x86 code. Yeah, uh, so I, I've been talking about this sort of distinction in a couple uh, of talks I've given, and I've, I've been thinking of the uh, what you call like the click-like paradigm as, yeah. I, I've been referring to that as a, a code-driven switch pipeline because yeah. Each, each thing, each stage is a piece of code. It, it's often something just like a function pointer. So you can do anything in it. Right. Um, but on the other hand, if you go to something that I've been calling the, the data-driven model, where uh, you've got, say, uh, a table, an open flow table or some other sort of table, then uh, it's, it's something where you can optimize it to better, but you don't have nearly as much flexibility. Yeah, and that's, ex that's exactly the subtlety that I think, to a large extent, the the, talk, the debate around how to organize software switches is missing at this point. Like the advantage of the open vSwitch model is you can have a bunch of middle boxes or software switches implemented in OpenFlow and they can be optimized as a single unit. And this is essentially what the Megaflow cache does. So if you have uh, 50 OpenFlow tables each implementing widely, uh, widely varying functionality, you can compress these OpenFlow tables into a single lookup in, in the fast path. In exchange for that, you give up isolation. And what do you mean by isolation in this case? Do you mean like a safety property, like uh, isolation between programs? I, I, don't, I don't think that's quite what you mean. I actually do mean isolation between programs. So in this sort of canonical network function virtualization model, you have a bunch of different vendors who each have their own separate middle box implementation. And then you hook them all together in a hypervisor uh, with, a, with a virtual switch connecting them. And in the standard model, maybe you're skeptical of the competence or friendliness of these various vendors, so you don't trust their code, right? Um, so it's very important in that model that that the uh, a bug or malicious uh, piece of code in one particular middle box not be able to affect your entire hypervisor. 
So th this is yeah. what uh, would be a problem if, say, all your uh, all your vendors were actually running something in the Open vSwitch program space. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and and the way we solve this now, or the the way the NFV model solves this, is they just say, well, each vendor's code will just wrap in a virtual machine. Um, there's some confusion around how to do this. Uh, but uh, that's the that's the sort of caricature of the model. You wrap it in a virtual machine, and then if one vendor's code explodes, everyone else's is is fine. And that definitely gives you the sort of isolation you're right. talking about. Right. But, but what are the disadvantages to that? The primary disadvantage, in my estimation, though this would be debated, um, is performance. Um, so to to wrap things in different virtual machines, each vendor's code must be running on a different CPU core. Um, and as a result, you have to bounce packets across these CPU cores to get to get the performance you'd like. Um, or sorry, to, to get the behavior you'd like. Uh, and that's gonna be extremely expensive. Uh, I'm not claiming this is true. This is my intuition of what will happen. This is sure. hotly debated. <laughs> Um, and it, uh, I'm not entirely sure it's going to go in the direction I think, um, but that's that's the sort of my complaint with this architecture that, that this isolation has an extreme cost. If sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. isolation usually has has some sort of a, a, a performance cost. Yeah, yeah. Then the the motivation for Softflow is it entirely performance, or do you see some uh, uh, some other uh, reasons that you'd want to use this kind of architecture? Um, I mean, the practical motivation for Softflow, I, I really do think Softflow is probably the best way to implement middle boxes if you're, if you're using Open vSwitch already. It, it's going to be sort of, uh, it fits in well with the OpenFlow model. It's really easy to add new middle box functionality. Um, it's, it's sort of organized around OpenFlow tables and things like that. So maybe it would help to uh, to define exactly what Softflow allows you to do, what it, what it adds to Open vSwitch. Yeah. So so what it it's really an extension to OpenFlow actions. So OpenFlow, you have packet classification and actions. So after each classification, a series of actions are performed, and traditionally the actions are baked into the switch. So you've got set of VLAN header, output, things like that. All Softflow really is is the ability to augment the switch with uh, a plugin library of actions. Um, so it's a well-defined interface for adding actions to the switch and then uh, a well-defined interface for a controller to call into those actions. So those actions that you're talking about, those might be something as big as a firewall? Um, they could be. So they're arbitrary code, ar arbitrary x86 code. You could run a virtual machine inside an action if you wanted. Um, you shouldn't, but you could. Um, but the idea is that the, the key insight is that if you imagine a firewall, there's parts of its functionality that really are just packet classification, uh, specifically the access control list, um, looking up the firewall rules. And then there's parts of its functionality that are fundamentally sort of stateful, uh, non-OpenFlow-ish behavior. So tracking what connections are flowing through the system. Um, so the idea with Softflow is that little piece of the firewall that can't be expressed in OpenFlow, you'll, you'll add to Open vSwitch with an action. So in, in, in the paper, we talk about something called the contract action, which just tracks connections. That's not a full firewall. It just tracks connections. Um, but con contract action 
augment or uh, in conjunction with an open flow table implementing a firewall, uh, Im implementing an access control lookup um, is, is sufficient to express the behavior of a full full fledged firewall. So a, a connection yeah. tracking action, it isn't a firewall itself, but it's a, a primitive you can use to, to build a, a, a firewall out of uh, when you can combine it with other open flow rules and uh, open flow open flow actions. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the basic idea is that you can sort of build up a library of these actions. And in the paper, we sort of discuss uh, several of them. Um, but you can build up a library of these actions. And then a controller can implement the behavior like by sort of mixing and matching open flow tables and, and, and software actions. So Open vSwitch has started to add some of these stateful features uh, already. Like, like there's a, a connection tracking action that uses the abilities of the Linux kernel to do connection tracking. How, how does that compare to how you might implement something similar with Softflow? Um, the actual internals of the Open vSwitch connection tracking action are, would, are not really different from the internals of a Softflow connection tracking action. The difference is how the action integrates with the rest of the switch. I, I didn't implement the connection tracking action, but my impression was that it was a massive effort both on the kernel side of the stack and in user space to make it so that this action was exposed all the way up to the controller. With Softflow, you implement the framework for expressing actions once, and then you can just uh, plug in different implementations. Um, so the difference is, Sure, we've done all this work to implement the connection tracking action, and then later when we want to add a NAT action or a payload encryption action or something else, we're going to have to redo all of that work. In Softflow, you just do that work once, and then you just ha can focus on implementing the internals of the action, not, not all the framework around it. One of the things that always helps me understand uh, is, uh, is an example. So your, your paper has a couple of fairly detailed examples. Uh, uh, one's a, a, a stateful firewall, the, the other's a load balancer. Do you think it would be a, a good idea to, to sort of walk us through how, how, you might, uh, how, how that might work? Uh, sure, we can, we can give it a go. So a, a firewall, for example, and there's a lot of sort of layers to it. So I'm going to give you sort of the simplest layer. There's some optimizations that we that we do that probably don't make sense to talk about. Um, so I'll refer you to the paper. But but the basic idea is for a firewall, you would have a um, an access control list, which is a series of open flow tables, and then a connection tracking action. Uh, so a packet would enter the switch. Uh, it'd be looked up in the data path, just as normal. Um, and let's say there's no rules in the data path. So it would uh, miss the Megaflow cache and go to the slow path, just like standard open vSwitch. Then we'd go through a series of open flow tables until we hit the firewall open flow table, which is an access control list. The access control list would make a decision around whether to allow or drop the packet. So if, it, if the packet is not to the ACL table's liking, the packet would be dropped and then we sort of stop there really reinstall a flow saying future packets like this should be dropped. If the packet is to the ACL table's liking, then it passes the packet to the contract action by executing a special open flow action called uh, softflow, uh, which has embedded in, in it the name of the softflow action, so contract. So th this is where the, the first softflow related magic happens. Yeah, and that softflow actions are different than standard open flow actions. In standard open flow actions, we would just do the appropriate behavior and continue processing in the slow path. 
Um, in Sofalo, since these actions are really complicated and big, uh, the implementation lives entirely in the data path. So when the slow path sees that a Sofalo action must be executed, it sort of stops processing and hands the packet up to the data, to path. The data path. Yeah. At this point, the data path has special behavior where it sees this packet was punted to me because a Sofalo action was requested. So then it just passes that packet to the Sofalo action. So this is just making a function call to a library that was that was installed in OpenVSwitch at boot time. In, in the data path. Yeah. Then the Sofalo action, the contract action executes it tracks the connection, and then it passes the packet back to the data path when it's finished. It will also write into the packet header a little bit of metadata. Uh, so specifically, uh, the contract action that we implemented writes into the packet header a bit declaring whether the packet is allowed or disallowed. So then that that's, will become important in a second. So the, the packet is received from the contract action of the data path, and then we just follow the standard open vSwitch forwarding model again. So we do another data path flow lookup. Uh, we pass the packet to the slow path. The slow path sort of matches on the packet and continues forwarding. Uh, importantly, the slow path can match on the metadata um, that was set by the contract action in the data path. So if the contract action declared that the packet should be dropped, then in the open flow tables later, uh, we can choose to drop the packet. Um, and that's basically it. It's, it's rather sort of detailed and complicated, but right. uh, yeah. So this packet, it bounces between the, the slow path and the data path a couple of times. Right, right. Is, is that only on this sort of the first packet? Yeah, correct. So on the first packet of the flow, we bounce between the slow path and the data path a couple of times. On future packets, we don't hit the slow path at all. We still have to do uh, a mega flow lookup after each contract action invocation. And that the, the reason for that is that a soft flow action can do more or less arbitrary things to packets. It's not open flow where the, the behavior is constrained. Uh, it could write a random number into the IP header, right? Um, and since it can do arbitrary things to the packets, we have to do another lookup to verify that our behavior for the packet is going to be correct, uh, rather than just forwarding, forwarding it and relying on the cache. So that's one thing that's different. And there's an algorithm in the paper called classification coalescing, which reduces this cost, which is extremely complicated uh, okay, to we, describe. We don't have to go into that. <laughs> uh, but in in the worst case, you do you do uh, a mega flow lookup per softflow action. Yeah. So given that a lot of the benefit of Softflow is performance, uh, what can you say about uh, how, how the performance uh, actually is? Uh, how, how does Softflow uh, com compare, uh, for example, uh, to other ways that you might implement NFE or, or maybe to open vSwitch without Softflow? Right, so in the paper, we actually measured the performance of Softflow compared to various um, alternative implementations. Uh, we did sort of a very open vSwitch focus evaluation. So we, so we measured Softflow compared to, a, a, well, actually, let me start over. We measured a bunch of different middle box pipelines with a bunch of different uh, traffic patterns. And we compared a Softflow implementation compared to a more standard NFV implementation where you ha would have open vSwitch as a software switch and the middle boxes implemented as uh, virtual machines. Um, we did not compare against 
there are other software switching platforms like BESS coming out of Berkeley, which uh, is sort of highly optimized for network function virtualization. We didn't compare against that. Uh, but compared to open vSwitch running in sort of an NFV mode, uh, we saw pretty significant performance um, gains depending on the, the pipeline. I, I should have this number memorized, but something on the order of two, 2x or more uh, improvement depending on the, the situation. That, yeah. That's a pretty significant uh, performance gain. Yeah. Um, does it feel to you like you're comparing against a, a, a straw man or does it does it feel like uh, there's uh, there, there are people who are actually using uh, um, setups similar to the one that you uh, compared against? Um, it, that, that's hard to say. I don't the NFV is somewhat. It seems like a very new field, and I don't have a good feel for what's uh, what's normal. Yeah, especially the time we were doing the eval, it's totally unclear what the dominant NFE platform is going to be. Um, uh, certainly internally, we were talking a little bit about using Open vSwitch for NFE at the time. I think it's a fair comparison if you're just trying to isolate the benefit of, of not using virtual machines. So we ha you have Open vSwitch with virtual machines, Open vSwitch without virtual machines. Um, I think that's a fairly fair apples to apples comparison. I really don't have a sense of how we're going to do compared to something like BESS, uh, which is highly optimized and tuned for network function virtualization. My, my sense is that this idea of doing global optimization of the pipeline through flow caching is fundamental and will help no matter what NFE platform ends up winning. Hopefully it's open vSwitch, but maybe not. I don't think this work proves it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> makes sense. So, uh, yeah, what I'm starting to believe is that the, the two approaches that we're talking about, the say the click-like approach and the open vSwitch-like approach, or the code-driven approach and the data-driven approach, I'm starting to believe that, that neither one is going to succeed in isolation in all cases, that we'll end up with something that, that, that's a hybrid in the end. Yeah, I I think that's the case. I'm, I'm not convinced all of this matters all that much, the, the performance side. I think what's going to matter a lot more is sort of ease of use and robustness and all that sort of stuff. I mean... And I, I would say how, how well it integrates with systems that people want to use. Yeah, exactly. There's two reasons I'm actually really skeptical of all this. One, all of these systems are measured usually with trivial middle boxes. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you're sort of encrypting packet payloads, it doesn't matter how fancy your software switch is. Like, all your time is going to be spent encrypting the packet payload. Um, the other thing is, these things uh, tend to measure performance differences with small packets. Uh, so people say, I can do 10 million versus 30 million 64-byte packets. And in, I've heard rumors that someone is doing 50 million small packets on voice networks or something. And you actually did a podcast about this recently, uh, which was the most convincing <laughs> I've heard on this. Uh, but I suspect a lot of people are doing like 10 gigabits with you know, average 1K packets, um, and they're doing a lot of very expensive processing on a per packet basis, in which case um, the performance of the software switch is much less important than how it integrates with the rest of the system, how debuggable it is, 
um, how easy it is to use, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I found uh, um, uh, BEST to be a little confusing because I, uh, I I understand that it stands for Berkeley Extensible Software Switch, yeah. but you go to its webpage and it says it's not a software switch. Yeah, I don't... I it must be some kind of private joke. I don't think it's a private joke. It's perhaps the website just wasn't updated recently. It used to be called Softnik. So the original pitch of that project was that, uh, and it's not my project, so I shouldn't really be talking about it, but was that uh, you, a lot of the functionality that's offloaded to Nix uh, can be done in, in software instead of doing it in hardware in the NIC. Um, so it might be that, that that's a vestige from the soft NIC, the uh, soft NIC days when they weren't claiming to be a software switch. That's interesting, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I want to do a, a separate yeah. podcast uh, yeah. with uh, one of the authors of BESS at yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, on a fairly different topic, um, one of the sections of the paper talks about uh, hardware classification offload, yeah. which is uh, really exciting. Um, uh, what, what, what can you say about that? Um, yeah, so that's something we sort of snuck into the softflow paper. It doesn't really have anything to do with softflow. Um, that's what's going to be my, <laughs> one of my questions. Why isn't yeah. this good for open vSwitch? Yeah, uh, and the, the reviewers of the paper noted this and kind of wanted me to take it out, but I left it in anyway. Um, so uh, basically, if you look at what open vSwitch, let's just leave Softflow aside because it complicates the picture. So if you look at what open vSwitch does, it's doing a packet classification in the data path, Megaflow packet classification. And uh, turns out, packet classification is in, in software is extremely expensive. Um, um, I, I would say at the time I was looking at this, we spent almost all of our time doing this packet classification. Okay, so next generation NICs uh, coming out of Broadcom and Intel have built into the NIC um, uh, a TCAM, um, which allows you to do packet classification in hardware uh, essentially in, in constant time, very, very quickly. Um, the problem with these TCAMs is they're, they're not as wide as the software packet classifier. So, so, so OVS looks on a lot of packet headers that the NIC wouldn't necessarily know to care about. Um, but what we show in the paper is that you can actually, despite that limitation, uh, make use of them. So what you do is you offload to the, uh, to the NIC um, just uh, classifying over the headers that you uh, really, really care about in most cases, which is basically the five tuple, the IP source desk, TCP ports, and the IP uh, protocol. Um, so you offload that. Um, and then you can sort of fall back to software if that classification um, uh, isn't isn't totally sufficient. Um, and if you do this, you get like somewhat ridiculous uh, performance gains. I mean, I mean, it's really really helpful uh, because you take the our major cost and bring it down essentially to zero. Yeah. So this seems like it's a place where a data-driven switch, like Open vSwitch, might have a big advantage because wouldn't it be hard to uh, make use of this in something like Click? Yeah, a huge advantage. So, so Click could not take advantage of this. Um, and the fundamental problem is that in Click, let's say you've got 12 different uh, nodes in the Click graph, each is doing its own little tiny bit of the classification. One's looking at the Ethernet header, one's looking at the IP source field, et cetera. Um, there's no way to, to group all of those classifications into a single step. And you have to group them into a single step in order to put that step into the NIC. <laughs> that makes sense. 
that's one advantage of the data-driven approach that, that you can't get from the, the click-like approach, certainly. So how much of a performance gain did you see with the hardware classification offload? Uh, I would have to look up the exact numbers, but depending on the pipeline, significant. I mean, uh, several times benefit. Oh, that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, I, I, oh, and I should note, we didn't measure with actual hardware. Uh, we simulated it in the paper. Um, so what we did was we pre-calculated essentially what, what a hardware classifier would do. And then we wrote that into the packet of the traces we were doing. We'd still have to try it with actual uh, engineering samples when we get there. So is this just for, say, exotic or specialized NICs? Exotic. Uh, it, so both Intel and Broadcom have a NIC that support this. I don't have a lot of visibility into how widely deployed these NICs would be. My impression is certainly the, the Broadcom NIC, they're aiming at a sort of wide deployment for high-end customers initially. So there, there's yeah. something that you could plausibly see in cloud data centers without having to, you know, specially yeah. Uh, yeah. request them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a widely available commodity, Nick. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, sometimes people talk about features that you can only get in something that's very expensive or hard yeah. to get. Yeah. That's a, a pretty good uh, overview of, of Softflow, I uh, I think. Uh, yeah. So I you've probably moved on to some uh, some some new new research now are you are you extending softflow or do you have something completely new i feel like i did my tour of duty with software switching <laughs> and uh, have completely moved on do you want to talk about what you're working on now um, yeah sure so i'm quite pleased to be working in a programming language with a garbage collector now by the way uh, which is fantastic i don't think about memory anymore it's what are, what are you writing in now uh, go which is a great language. Uh, it's everything C++ should have been. But yeah, I, I'm doing some stuff with container orchestration now. Um, Isn't so, everybody? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a problem, of course. Um, but we're trying to figure out the right um, model for uh, expressing distributed systems. And uh, the project's called Quilt. Uh, you can see it at quilt.io is where our development's going on. It's still very early phases, like don't try and deploy this thing. Um, it must be very modern if you have a .io one. Yeah, I know, yeah. There's quite a lot of effort went into getting that .io, by the way. Um, it's a different story though. And the, the basic thing we're trying to explore is like, now that we have network virtualization and we have this sort of complete flexibility in how we organize our distributed systems, uh, what's the way, right way to express them? Um, and the sort of current state of the art is you have APIs. Uh, so you have your um, compute API and your container orchestrator and you have your network API that like oven exports or VMware NSX exports. And then if you wanna get your system going, you have to make a bunch of API calls. Um, and we're looking at replacing that with uh, actually a programming language uh, that allows you to express distributed systems um, abstractly. Uh, and then that programming language coupled with uh, a system that understands how to deploy uh, specifications in that programming language, uh, we're hoping will be something uh, fairly powerful in the future. All right, so that, that, that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what, are you, uh, um, what are you targeting here? Um, are, are you aiming for uh, a, a conference in fall? Uh, so we have a submission to SOSP. 
Um, if the uh, PhD gods are smiling on me, that'll get in. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm an experienced enough researcher to know that rarely happens <laughs> on the first go round. Oh, SOSP is a tough one to do. Yeah, that's a tough one too. We should be hearing back in a week or two and then we'll sort of uh, uh, incorporate the feedback. Um, we're also doing some really interesting work uh, on uh, doing static analysis of these specifications. So if the original submission doesn't get in, we can sort of fold that into the paper. Um, also to the side, um, we're developing this not like a standard research prototype. We actually want to build this thing with a certain amount of robustness so that it can actually be used. So on the side, we're looking at um, making it easy to deploy some of the distributed systems that are popular at Berkeley right now. So uh, Apache Spark, um, we're working on some uh, new machine learning projects. There's one called Ray that, that everyone's really excited about right now. Um, so in addition to the research angle, we're also looking at actually trying to get this thing used by people. Yeah. All right. That's great. That's ambitious. So good, good yeah. luck with it. Yeah. So uh, is there anything uh, else that you'd like our listeners to know before we uh, draw to a close here? Not, not in particular. I'm always available uh, if people want to bug me about Softflow or, or Quilt for that matter. Uh, All yeah. right. What's the best way for people to get into contact? Jeez. Uh, Probably the best way is email, actually. Um, so actually, the best way, if you Google, if you Google me, um, Ethan J. Jackson, uh, I have a little website and there's a contact link All right, um, where you'll find my email address. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. And uh, good luck with everything. All right. Cool. Thanks. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons unported 3.0 license. The intro music in this episode is Drive by Alex Barroza, the bumper is Yeah Ant by Spec, and the outro is Space Bazooka by Kirkoid. All of the music is also licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. For more information about OpenVSwitch and OVS Orbit, please visit openvswitch.org.